This is the Midweek Exception, an NBA podcast for the date of October 26, 2015. I'm your host, John, and joining me, as always, is Grant. Yep, I'm here as well. Uh, after a prolonged absence from the pod where I decided to better myself and begin a career. So I'm back. I feel uh, almost Simmons-esque. You know, I made a few bad comments about Dave and got kicked off for a while but you guys welcome me back it's it's yeah no it's great to have you back finally i feel like the podcast in general has just been like gone for a bit with like the off season i know we put together some like team preview podcasts and stuff like that but it just it 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 hit a point where you realize you really can't go through every single team and do a really short preview because like there's there's some of those teams that just aren't that fun to talk about for like a longer period of time i guess and it was kind of an ambitious goal but we, we backed down from it and i think we're pretty settled on today's content um so do you just want to explain what we're going to be doing today yeah um so our original idea was kind of doing over unders but uh bill simmons and joe house kind of beat us to that one <laughs> but so what we kind of came up with is our eight playoff teams and we're going to do one Eastern Conference podcast today and hopefully come out with the Western Conference tomorrow or the day after, kind of in celebration of the beginning of the season. So we're going to mostly focus on the top eight teams from Eastern Conference, talk a little bit about our fringe teams, but then we're going to kind of save the non-playoff team preview, kind of season preview for uh, a different one. So this one's really kind of mo- mostly going to focus on who we really think is going to be the final eight teams standing in the Eastern Conference at the end of the season. And I fully expect to get yelled at and bitched at and just called an idiot and a moron and that I know nothing about the NBA after this because I have some bold predictions and I'm not afraid to uh, to admit that. So I fully expect it. I know you, John, are going to be pretty uh, unhappy with some of, my, some of mine as well and disagree, but that's why we do this. So I, th- I think if we get comments of disagreeing, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Like On one hand, it's really good because it means that people are listening, but on the other hand, it's like a lot of just like anger misdirected towards you. So I guess we'll yeah, see how it I'm- goes. I'll, I'll take the anger in stride, though, because again, as long as they listen and they don't stop listening because I think I'm an idiot, um, it's a win in my book. So, um, do you want us to start from the eighth seed, go up to the first, or from the first to the eighth? Because I feel like, for me, I'm it's kind of what everyone's expecting for the one through four on my end. So, I'm wondering like, what would be a more interesting way to approach this. I think we should start with eight. Cool. Sounds the good. The real question is, do we want to include when we're talking about eight? Do you want to let everyone know who we left off, or are we going to leave that as a surprise? We'll leave that as a surprise because on my sheet of paper, I only have my eight. But you have your okay. like the rest of your ranking, so feel free if you really want to at the end like break it down, saying who you left off and a little reason why. You can totally go for that. All right. Well, uh, then, without further ado, the eighth spot in the Eastern Conference for me is the Toronto Raptors. Interesting. I, 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 I okay, go ahead. I was going to say, I really think their front court is going to struggle. Uh, 
I think they've got some offense, but there's a lot of question marks. I love the addition of Damari Carroll. Um, I think he's a great role player, but I think he needs to also kind of stay in that role. He needs to just be the jack of all trades, and I mm-hmm. think he needs to understand that he got paid to be the jack of all trades. He's not. He didn't get paid to come in and be the superstar because they've already got you know, two players that are their all-stars, and Damari Carroll is kind of supposed to be that number three that really glues everything together and does all the little things that maybe DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry don't do. Right. Um, so I definitely like this team. There's just, for me, there's a question mark with, you know, is DeMar DeRozan going to play 70 games? Because I think that's a question mark for me. And also just their front court and that kind of loss of an, of their other previous glue guy in Amir Johnson. I think that's going to, be a lot harder on them than they expect and they give up just kind of again they're giving up that selfless player um they're gonna have Patrick Patterson who I like and is great on offense but I think he lacks kind of a lot in terms of defense and rebounding and I like Jonas but again there's just kind of that question mark around him like is he gonna give up some offense to really try to anchor a defense and I just don't know yeah, they're definitely that kind of like question mark team, I think. Um, well, I, they had two kind of big pickups in my mind in the offseason and Damari Carroll, and then also Corey Joseph, who I think is a really, really great pack, uh, backup point guard after last season with the Spurs. I thought he did an exceptional job. Obviously, he kind of fell to being the uh, third ranked point guard at a certain point after Patty Mills came back. And, you know, Tony Parker's obviously kind of in and out with like injuries throughout the season. But, um, yeah, the Raptors are that really, really kind of like interesting team. Like, when you look at their starting five, like, I look at it and I say, okay, it's good. Like, the one through three, I'm okay with that. Like, I like DeMar DeRozan. I like Kyle Lowry, um, Damari Carroll, obviously. But when you're four and five or Patrick Patterson and Valanchunas, like, I, I just feel like Valanchunas is, like, just on, like, the verge of becoming this really, really quality starting big but he's hasn't made that lap that uh, leap quite yet you know yeah and again it's just it's the question marks and i think the teams ahead of them that i have are just in a better position and made a few more steps forward in the offseason so who did you have it at number eight at number eight i had the indiana pacers um i i worry i'm ranking them too low purely because we all know that Paul George is completely insane. And like, he's like my dark horse MVP for this season. Like if the preseason is any way to gauge the way an NBA season is going to go for a player, which it really isn't realistically, because there are teams that did incredibly well in the preseason. And we all know are going to fall on their faces in the regular season. But like seeing how well Paul George has played in this preseason just kind of blew my mind. And, it, it leaves me at that little part that's like, maybe I'm really ranking them too low, but I just look at the rest of that team and I just don't really know what to think. Obviously, Monte Ellis is a great shooting guard. George Hill is a good point guard. But then you have this this nonsense of Paul George being switched to play the four instead of the three. And I just don't quite know how I feel about that. And I wonder how it's going to affect the team. Like, no doubt it'll spread the floor a little bit better, but there's been already reports in the preseason about him being uncomfortable playing 
the four like it was a vocal i think he was very vocal about he said you know it's going to take time for me to adjust to it it's you know it's going to be a learning process throughout the season which you know i'm taking that into account by putting them at the eighth seed also they don't really have a center yeah but and that's where again i to me well full disclosure paces are my number seven team okay so raptors are my number seven so whatever (laughs) yeah everything you just said I agree with, except for I do think that the Paul George at power forward experiment is essentially over. I think we kind of knew it from the beginning that that was just going to be a, every once in a while they're going to drop him down. Right. And in the preseason, he just kind of started there as practice and okay. to get a feel for what that's going to look like. I don't think that was ever intended to be a permanent like solution. Mm-hmm. And the whole, the whole reason I have the Pacers at number seven is because they essentially have the same question marks as the Raptors. Will Paul George stay healthy? You know, can Monte Ellis and – or can George Hill really continue what he did, you know, in the second half of last season? Can Monte Ellis bring his success in Dallas to Indiana? And then where the hell is their front court? Exactly. Like I, they have more of a porous front court than – the Raptors. I mean, isn't like I think no Scola isn't on the Pacers anymore, is he? He's on the Raptors now. Yeah. See, so they they lost kind of one of their more veteran, you know, veteran front court players. And kind of, and I mean, I know Scola isn't great, but he is kind of that veteran presence in the locker room. Mm-hmm. The whole reason I put the Pacers over the Raptors though is the Pacers have a legitimate MVP player, right? In Paul George. So if Paul George plays, you know between 70 and 75 games that puts them over the Raptors in my opinion, because Paul George is going to be responsible for, you know, at least a handful of wins. Whereas it can anyone on the Raptors, when you really look at them besides, you know, a game here, there is anyone on the Raptors really going to single-handedly dominate and step up in a game with, you know, let's say Lowry's out, and can DeRozan come in and win them, you know, a stretch of games by himself and then vice versa. So, and I think Paul George has that quality. He has that, you know, killer instinct and he can step up and carry a team. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, um, just, I think this kind of goes for the Raptors and the Pacers, which is fitting because they're wrapping up both of our seventh and eighth, I guess, realistically. Um, just you look at both these teams benches, and I feel like, I mean, obviously it's, it's a given to say that depth means a lot in the NBA and like for a title run, you know, going even throughout the season, because players do get injured. Players also get rest time sometimes, you know, different things happen. And there's just not a hell of a lot backing up a lot of these players outside of, you know, what I had mentioned, obviously, for the um, for the Raptors and having Corey Joseph as a backup point guard, which I think is a really good pickup for them, especially because they just lost to uh, Lou Williams to the Lakers. So you know, Rodney Stuckey, I think, is had a, he had a nice season last year. But when I look at this Pacers roster, I just don't see a hell of a lot there. I think Miles Turner could pan out to be really good. But as of right now, you just look at everything beyond that starting five. Even, again, at center, the starting Jan Mahimi, like, it, it just doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. But I guess realistically, they did lose Roy Hibbert also to the Lakers, so... You know, like, I, I guess it's, it, it kind of baffles me 
what they're going to do in this in this season. I mean, I I do worry I'm ranking them a little bit low. But... Uh, can, before we move on to our sixth selection, um, I wanted to ask: Is there a reason you put the Raptors over the Pacers? You know, it's um. I actually had like the little arrow that shows like interchangeable on my thing. Um, I think it's just pure. It's almost purely because I have more faith in the Raptors front court than I do in the Pacers front court. Currently. I think that the teams are going to finish relatively close to one another. It's going to be one of those things that are going to jockey back and forth for those bottom seeds. But um, it's, it's kind of a toss up realistically as to who gets it. I think the Raptors have a better starting five than the Pacers do. But it, it's it, it it could really go either way. It's more just like to yeah. write down something, you know. Fair enough. Um, right. So number six, who do you got? I had the Milwaukee Bucks as my number six. Hey, there we go. Tied. We got the okay. same one. So. so I guess this will be easy for us to talk about. Um, if you want to go ahead, because I know you were just a Wisconsin native as of like a year ago, but then you moved back to hey, whoa, Illinois. whoa, whoa. Native isn't right. It's the correct term. Correct. I was a Wisconsin transplant, transplant for about four years. Okay. Um, and now I'm back in the Chicagoland area. Um, but yes, I spent all those four years watching the Bucks. By no means are they my favorite team, but uh, definitely endeared themselves to me. Um, obviously, you gotta love Giannis, and I'm also coming from a place here where Jabari isn't too much of a question mark to me. Right. Because we're able to see what he what he was able to do in the first 25 games of the season. And with his ACL, I know it's a major injury and it takes a while to come back from. But before the injury, he's an athletic player, but he doesn't really rely on his athleticism. Right. So I don't think it's going to affect him as much as, you know, Derrick Rose, where if he doesn't come back to peak athletic performance – he can't sit and rely on his three-point shot. Okay. Whereas Jabari can get in, and I think the big question mark for him is, is he going to be able to maintain kind of uh, the physicality down low? However, I don't think it matters that much because they went out and they signed one of the best big men on the market in Greg Monroe. That was which a huge I think was, Oh, yeah. I immediately texted all my, my Bucks fan friends, and I was like, are you kidding me? Like, how the hell did you guys just get Greg Monroe? What did you do to talk him into coming to Milwaukee? Because you just tra- potentially transformed your team for the next five years. You exactly. Know? He, he is that type of potential in his player. And I know people are going to harp on his defense, but the way the Bucks play, I think he'll fit in really, really nicely. And if he buys into a winning culture, he'll be able to play defense. He's never going to be, you know, a defensive anchor, but, he can come in and he can play pretty serviceable defense on a defensive oriented team. So I just, I think that they're probably going to be around the same as they were last year. I don't know how many more wins they get, but I think they're going to be a, a more seasoned team. They've got the playoff experience and they're just one year older. Giannis is, you know, gonna is one again one year older. He's gonna be a better player. He's continually working on his game. Uh, Michael Carter Williams has now gonna have a, a full season with the Bucks, and I'm not the biggest MCW fan, but I think he's still 
you know, definitely uh, an, he belongs on an NBA court. He belongs to be starting. And, you know, again, that defense is just going to be great. Oh, and they kept Chris Middleton too. Right. You know, I mean, one through five, they've got a solid team. Now, do they have a championship contending team? No, but I think it's certainly a playoff team. And I think you could even argue that they could be a couple spots up, you know, if things go right for them. Yeah, no, definitely. Like that's the thing with the Milwaukee Bucks is like I feel like they're that team that's like a year out now, maybe two years from being a top four team in the East. Like you just look at this roster that they've assembled, Michael Carter Williams, who I think has the potential to be a very good point guard. Obviously, he has a lot of his own game to like work out right now. Um, especially shooting, you know, just in general, it's like he's not particularly great shooter. Which again, like when you come from what the the 76ers was or are, I guess, technically, because I think they're still kind of in a a position where that can perform particularly well this season. And obviously, I mean, the players are going to give it their all and everything, but they're not going to win a ton of games. He was their offense, essentially. I mean, with their own Zoel, obviously, that changed a little bit. But otherwise, um, Michael Carter-Williams kind of was the offense. And he, you know, he could just put up shots and just like, you know, would see what would happen. They weren't necessarily great looks or anything, but he um he came from a different culture with that team, which I'm not even trying to rag on because I actually like the 76ers. I like what they're doing. But I think a whole offseason with Jason Kidd and going into a full season with the Bucks, especially after that playoff experience, is going to be really, really big for him. Also, I mean, he's backed up by a really solid backup in Gravis Fasquez. Like, that's a really good backup point guard to have behind you. So, I mean, he can obviously step in and you know, he shoots pretty well from three. Um, and just, I feel like it's going to be another year for Michael Carter Williams to kind of become a better NBA player. It's going to take him some time, but you look at the three, I mean, the two through the five and like the rest of this team just looks great. Uh, Middleton obviously just got paid. He's going to be fantastic again this season. I think Giannis is one of those players that everyone's just waiting for him to have that insane breakout season. He can do a little bit of everything. And Jason Kidd's already saying, you know, he's going to play the one through the five, which I doubt he's going to play a ton of minutes at the one. But regardless, I mean, he'll bring up the ball plenty, I'm sure. Um, Jabari is kind of like what you already said about him. And then Greg Monroe, we talked about plenty, just outstanding pickup for that team. They have a really great core. It's just, It's a matter of these players developing, you know? Oh, absolutely. And I think... I don't see why they can't replicate, if not improve, on what they did last year. And I just think that they're going to be a balls-to-the-wall regular season team. Right. They're going to be going out. They're going to want to win every single game, and they're going to be pushing it every single game. Um, I think a lot of it is going to be determined with how their bench kind of shores up. But by adding Monroe, I mean, they've got – pretty good front court depth now um yeah it's i mean tyler ennis is gonna have to we're gonna have to see what he can do mm-hmm. um they're they're rookie which i'm blanking on the name like we're gonna have to see if he can step up um i mean jo- like johnny o'brien we'll see you know what he can do so their bench is a big question mark at the moment but like you said their core is there they added a huge piece in monroe and again they all had an off season with Jason Kidd, they all had an off season working together. So 
there's no reason they can't do what they did last year. And, and like you said, I think they set themselves up for a nice five-year window kind of starting up now where this is going to be another kind of hardship year in terms of uh, when they're in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But starting next year, it could be a completely different uh, take. Also, I'm going to call it right now. Jason Kidd's going to coach of the year this year, I think. I wouldn't doubt it, and I don't think I'd have a problem with it either. They, but they do need to significantly improve on what they did last year. Right. They could be a victim of their previous success. Right. Which, I mean, I almost wish that I had taken a look prior to see what their record was with Brandon Knight starting a point guard versus Michael Carter-Williams starting a point guard for them. Yeah, that would have been a nice little fact, but... We don't have it, so oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I can't dwell on it. So, moving um, on to number five, this is where I think we're going to start to disagree. Um, but I don't know. I have the Atlanta Hawks. I have the Atlanta Hawks also. Oh, all right. So, we're at least safe through for the number five. I think we're going to really get further off on the upcoming one. So, all right. Um, well, my re- big reason for the Hawks is I think they overachieved, um, and they were the recipients of a really bad kind of Eastern conference last year. Yeah. And they were one of the few teams that was fairly healthy and bought into a system and just were really, really great within that system. Right. Um, now I don't think they're, they've become a bad team by any means. I just think a lot of the other teams have gotten better and they've kind of stayed the same. And all that kind of translates to is going to be less wins for them. Um, I think they're going to have similar numbers in terms of their efficiency and their points, but they're just going to be other teams out there that are going to be stealing wins from them. And they're going to, they're not going to get some of these cookie cutter games they had last year. And that's not to take anything away from them. It's just kind of the climate of the Eastern conference this year. Um, It's still not going to be great, but there's a there's going to be a solid eight teams this year. Whereas last year there was like a solid five. Yeah. I think for me, a lot of why I have the Hawks falling so far, a, they lost to Mari Carroll, which realistically I might be overvaluing him a little bit too much for that team. Um, but just the way they performed in the playoffs left a really sour taste in my mouth. I think um, the Brooklyn nets, you know, they pushed them to six games and some of those games weren't even like oh like blowout wins or anything like that outside of you know the last well the last game the Hawks won 111 to 87 the second to last game 107 to 97 but then for a handful of games either they lost or the games are only you know 5 point maybe 7 point wins then you go on to the Washington Wizards also push them to 6 games you know, it's and then they get swept by the Cavs. It's one of those things where I just I feel like it's negative to not give the team credit for what they did in the regular season because they absolutely played incredible in the regular season. They were a fantastic team. Their win streak, their win streak was really impressive. I think the um, what was it, sixteen wins or was it more than that? Nineteen, right? I thought it was nineteen. Yeah, nineteen wins. Right. Okay. So it's an impressive streak. You look at some teams they faced in that streak, and it's not... I'm not blown away at points by it, but I think regardless, to win 19 games in a row is really, really incredible and really... It's worth acknowledging. But I, there, there is that team I don't see 
performing as well this season for the same reason you said like they just they over they over um they they overreached they performed way better than they were expected to last season um there's still gonna be a, a team that's gonna be hard to battle in the playoffs i think like i think by no means are they an easy exit they have a very talented roster it's a matter of you know tabo stepping up at the three really in my book is being one of those players that you know can he really is he going to be perform well in that role you know so i don't know they're it's like one of those things where like in the way i talk about them i imagine i would put them lower but like you just know they're good they have a really good system in place Budenholzer is a great coach so i don't know do you have any other thoughts about the hawks really i mean no the end of that pretty much just summed it up for me um like yeah you look at it on paper and you think that they would regress a little bit more but you have to again look at what they did last year give them credit for what they did last year and assume that because they do have a phenomenal coach and they still have the majority of their players they're going to be able to you know show some success correct yeah but they're they're just kind of as a whole their team's a question mark but that being said they're certainly at least i think they're the farthest they would fall would be the sixth seed I think right. that they're too good. They've got too much of a system in place to really fall much more. And I won't be shocked if they're, you know, a top three seed either. It's just a lot of question marks. And again, like I said, they kind of stayed the same where other teams got better. Um, right. But all right. Number four. Do you want to go give yours? It hurt me to, yeah, it hurt me to, to do this, but I wanted to be realistic with my team. Chicago Bulls. Yeah, no, I, I, I can guess some of the reasons why. I think. Well, I'll, I was one of the largest proponents of keep Thibodeau and don't hire Hoiberg. Mm-hmm. I and if they hired anyone, I wanted it to be Alvin Gentry, and they didn't even look his way. The Hoiberg deal, as much as I didn't want to believe it, was a done deal before this last season started, unless the Bulls won the championship. That was a hand that was behind the door handshake deal. Yep. Pretty much years ago. Mm-hmm. And I need to come to I needed to come to terms with that. That being said, he's done everything right. Um I think he might fall into a few missteps whereas it looks like he's literally just trying to do the exact opposite of everything Tom Thibodeau did. And mm-hmm. I'm worried that he might turn into a bit of a yes man to management. Right. But that being said, they did have a lot of fair claims. I think this team is looks great on paper. It's it worries me with some aspects of it though. Will they actually be able to hit the shots? Because they're getting shots. Yeah. But they're not really a jump shooting team and even their jump shooters don't look great. Like, I mean, I love Miritich as much as the next guy, but he's going to have to start making some back, some buckets here. Like, I mean, he misses a lot of open shots and it, it does worry me a bit. That said, he's just in a second year. I just hope he continues to try to improve. Yeah. Um, and we'll see as the year goes on. I just think the bulls are going to be a peak and Valley team. They're going to, have a five game winning streak where they look unstoppable and then they they could have a four game losing streak where they lose to the Sixers, the Knicks, the Hornets in a row. Yeah. You know, it 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 there's just I think there's going to be a lot of ups and downs 
I don't buy into the Butler versus Rose bullshit. Yeah. I, but that with Derrick Rose, he looked de- good in the preseason, and I was really surprised with how well he looked around the basket because that was one of the things he really struggled with coming back last year was finishing at the rim. Mm-hmm. And I saw a lot of really nice finishes, and I saw kind of some of that old Derrick Rose touch around the rim. Um, but, I mean, we'll see. Could the Bulls be the number one seed? Yes. But I just don't think that they're going to be that regular season juggernaut that they have been in years past under Thibodeau. Because I also just don't think Hoiberg is going to push him that hard in the regular season. Yeah. However, come playoff time, we'll see how this team really looks. But I think this is one of those years that they could actually have have a playoff run. And it's almost going to be kind of like the, some of the other teams' mentalities where they coast a bit in the season, they find out, they figure out who they are, they give a lot of random players chances, and then they go, you know, they just go full turn up in the playoffs. But yeah. I don't know. What do you think? What is, what's your number four? My number four is the Washington Wizards. Okay. I have them there because I still don't like Randy Whitman as a coach. I don't okay. think he's a particularly good coach. Um, you know, by no means is he even terrible. I feel like it kind of falls in the same land that like Dwayne Casey does. You know, like those are those two coaches that you always heard people online, on Twitter, everywhere, just complaining about them saying, you know, they'll have those couple games where they have some sort of brilliance and perform well, but just things, it, they just never seem to quite get it right, especially defensively. I felt like just kind of like a train wreck. Um, I have to look at the numbers, obviously, but this is kind of just an eye test thing. Um, the Wizards, I think they're starting five. I like, I like well enough outside of, is Nene starting at the four for them? I would think so. Right, because otherwise behind him is Humphreys, and I don't think he's quite like I don't think he's gonna be starting for them at the floor. Um, Humphreys is a good role player and a terrible starter. Yeah, no, exactly. That's a really good way to put it. Um, you know, John Wall. What like well, what can you say about him? He's a top three point guard in the NBA, arguably, maybe yeah, top three. I was gonna say top two, maybe, but I think there's a couple of different arguments that can be made that wouldn't make that true. Um, top three point guard in the NBA, just outstanding player. Um. Just every year he's been in the league, he's added something to his game. I think he's just become an incredibly good player. Bradley Beal, obviously, great shooting guard. That backcourt is disgusting and completely terrifying, I think. Um, Otto Porter, I think, you know, obviously they lose Paul Pierce, get out, and then Otto Porter is going to step up in the um, starting role now. And I thought, you know, he looked really good at points um, in the playoffs last year. I think he's... I'm not quite sure he's ready to take on the starting role, but I don't think he's going to perform badly. I think he will always look good on the court for the Wizards. I already said Nene, I'm not widely um, confident in him starting. I think he'll, he'll be fine. Um, I, I would like if they would look out for another option to play the four, but it's reasonable enough. Then Marching Gortat, like one of those centers, I feel like just by and large, underrated by people i think he's like the sneaky really really good potential double double any night kind of player i've i've always liked him a lot i think him and wall running the pick and roll is a dangerous combination 
So I think putting them at the four is fitting. Um, they're, I mean, they're one of those teams, though, that, you know, they could be my number three or number four. It, it could flip very well, I think. You know, my number three is the Chicago Bulls, which we can dive into that after you tell me your number three or I can just go into it, whatever. But the Wizards have a system in place already, which I think having that consistency over the last few seasons is going to benefit them really, really well. So I think I'm trying to think of um, their their bench. I think by and large is also not not too terrible. I think Ron Sessions is a, a perfectly suitable backup point guard. Jared Dudley coming off the bench, Drew Gooden, Chris Humphreys. So I think the Wizards they, they're due to have another pretty solid season. I think I think it's great how much this team has grown over the last few seasons as well, though. Yeah, I uh, don't disagree with really anything you said uh i'll get to the wizards in a minute here um but go ahead and go into your number three so yeah number three chicago bulls um you just talked about them and i actually agree with a lot of what you said and that's why there's part of me that wanted to say they could be the number one team i think they have the most talented team in the east right now i think by and large they they do i mean i think the cavaliers obviously have a great roster as well I feel like the Bulls just one through five have a significantly better roster. Um, but there's something to be said in having to learn a new offensive system with Fred Hoiberg. I think I, what I've seen so far from Hoiberg's system in the preseason, I re- I like a lot. I mean, it's incredible to see a Bulls team actually function well on offense. Like it's really, really weird to see that. Um, obviously I'm not going to dive into like the lingering questions about health and all that stuff. Cause it's not worth going into, but to me, it's a question about defense with this team. Um, so far in the preseason, we've seen plenty of like shaky defense from players. We already discussed on one of the free cheese and hot sauce podcasts that Jimmy Butler, while he's regarded as being an elite defender, wasn't that great of a defender in the regular season. Like there were plenty of games where he was just giving up shots. He wasn't, you know, guarding his man, particularly great, you know, off of screens, not defending well. But I think when you look at the four and five situation of who Hoiberg intends to start, Miritich and Gasol, offensively, that's a great way to start your game. You know, you assume he's going to close with Gibson and Noah. But what about defense? What about the teams that have really solid starting fours and fives? Like, how are the Bulls going to perform against those teams? You know, particularly, I'm thinking the Milwaukee Bucks. Like a team that the Bulls already struggled with in the in the uh, postseason last year, when you have Miritich and Gasol on the court, neither of them are especially great defenders. Um, Gasol is obviously kind of just like slower on his feet now; he doesn't really do much in regards to defense. So that's my main issue with the Chicago Bulls. Um, I think they have plenty of great backup players. I mean, Joakim Noah is coming off the bench. Uh, Taj Gibson. McDermott could have a really nice season. Bobby Portis won't get rookie of the year, but I think he will be one of those players. that will be in the background for conversation of it. I think it's going to go to towns this season, but it, it's hard. It's hard for me to put the bulls, anything above number three. And they, frankly, they could be number four for all I know, you know? Yeah. And that's, again, you just, you described kind of the state of the bulls and, it's just one of those wait-and-see games because there's a lot of question marks, especially just because there's a complete transition to a new philosophy. But my number three team is the Cavs. 
That's again, quite a dip. I mean, it's not quite is, a dip. It's only one spot down, but. This is not a regular season team. They're starting out the season with Shumpert out. So their starting three, essentially, is gone. So that's gone. LeBron's back is aching him already. So you can already see a you know vacation happening early on in the season. And it's all about, you know, putting stringing together wins, getting into the playoffs, and then the playoffs is its own season. As long right. as they are in the top half of, of the uh, conference, um, I don't think they really care. Yeah. It doesn't matter to them. They've got plenty of pieces. They just – Tristan Thompson finally just signed back in. So I don't think there's that much of a difference. I just think, again, the Cavs – are well they're probably going to be the team that's in the finals from the east because the playoffs is their season not the regular season and there's going to be plenty of games where we see them fighting and scrapping together for wins and but there's going to be also a handful of games where they just take off or they rest you know they rest their players so they're ready for the playoffs and Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty much that for me. Um, so I think we can probably move into number two. Um, Miami you, Heat. Yeah, that's why I have also. Yeah, I just, I'm very, very high on the Heat. Um, again, Dwayne Wade, if he plays half the season, that's a win. But they're yeah. so much more equipped to handle that. Bosch is a stud. Like, let's just say what it is i think his conditioning is going to be with the big question mark with them now because he has just gone through very very serious medical issues but he's back he's ready to play um Dragic has had a full off season with them um i mean the pick and roll with Tristan bosch is going to be lethal right i mean i i would argue with anyone who tells me there's a different pick and pop or pick and roll duo that could be better than them. I mean, that's just going to be phenomenal. And then, oh, they got Justice Winslow, who right. could have really been a top five pick in the draft. He is a, he's a stud. He can shoot the ball. He's athletic. And he's not going to be asked to do too much too soon. They've got a great bench. They added Stoudemire, uh, kind of shore that bench up. And, I mean, they're just poised to really have a huge leap. And it's not like – they didn't make the playoffs last year and then they need to step up and be, you know, the seventh seed before they can move up kind of like a Bucks team where you need to kind of move up incrementally. This is a team really one year moved from the finals. Right. Yeah. And they've got solid veterans. Really. They've got, you know, top 52, potentially top 50 players. I mean, Dwayne Wade's going to be a top 50 player of all time. Mm-hmm. Chris Bosh is going to be a top hundred player of all time. He's probably just, you know, he doesn't, he's not going to have the name recognition, but he's going to have a case for, you know, top 50, top 75. Dragic is a stud, and they have a phenomenal coach, and they're just a phenomenally run organization. So I just think they're poised for a huge leap back into, you know, championship contention. Yeah. That's, I mean, my thoughts are exactly the same. I won't repeat much of what you said, I think. Just their roster in general, like, this looks really good. I mean, I think having Chris Bosch out all of last season, I mean, he's obviously recognized being a great NBA player, but this season is going to show people like how much 
they really should appreciate Chris Bosch as a player because he's incredibly talented. I mean, didn't you know, he never felt like he got enough credit during the uh LeBron era heat, like ever really. But um I'm I'm just ready for another season of the Miami Heat being healthy. I mean, you know, Drogic at the at the one, Dwayne Wade obviously is gonna you know, hopefully he can have like a pretty healthy season, play pretty consistently. I wouldn't be shocked if they rest him plenty though. Um Otherwise, yeah, just a really, really talented roster. White sides do have another great season as well. I mean, so, I mean, Mick Roberts, too, I didn't even mention oh, him. Oh, yeah. He's, he's a very, very solid role player, and people need to remember what he did just two years ago when he wasn't asked to do too much and when he was healthy on the Hornets. So, I mean, I think that – I mean, that's pretty much the heat. I think we both have similar expectations, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's – possibly heat Cavs in the Eastern conference final, just battling it out. And I mean, who knows what can happen then, but to the number one, we've talked about both of these teams because I think uh, it's obvious who yours is. Right. And people are going to be surprised with who's who mine is, but if they've been listening to the teams, they should know, and they should just be probably thinking, what the hell is this guy thinking? Why would he ever put this team number one? But I did it anyways, and that's the Wizards. Okay, I need some. I need some explanation because I don't get it. I don't, okay. but I'm, I'm ready. So, I understand your complaint about Whitman. I don't think he's a great coach, but I do see similarities between other coaches who aren't necessarily X's and O's coaches and are more player managers and team oriented where they're going to get their the best out of their team not necessarily through scheming in terms of the playbook but just in terms of pushing their players giving their players confidence and giving them the tools to go out and execute kind of a little bit more free-flowing basketball now I don't see the Wizards as being the most potent offense or the greatest defense, but I think they're solid on both ends of the floor. And as I said before, John Wall is a stud. Bradley Beal is a stud. Uh, I think those two combined, those two have a great future together. Bradley Beal still, I think, only 22. John Wall still extremely young as well, but has showed he can he will continually. And with coaching, as you said, I, I and I, as I said as well, Whitman's not a great coach. But I see those similarities between him and like a Kevin McHale. Now, it's not the greatest comparison, but I think that there's definitely overlap in terms of they're not going to go out like a, like a Tom Thibodeau would, would and he would make them run a play on basically both ends of the floor every single time down. And you saw the Bulls go down the, the court, have to look at Tom Thibodeau, find out what play they're running, and then run the play, and then it would basically fall apart. Mm-hmm. Whitman's not that type of coach. McHale isn't that type of coach. I mean, there's the famous uh, dry erase board incident, the last playoffs with Whitman, yeah. where he didn't really know what he was doing. But for the regular season, I think effort kind of trumps almost everything. And we saw that with the Bulls team um, in 2011 when they won uh, 60 games. They just tried harder in every regular season game than all the other teams. And I think the Wizards are similar in that regard, whereas John Wall, Bradley Beal, Gortat, they're never going to be giving up on a game. 
if they're down, you know, 20 in the fourth, they're going to try to, they're going to do their damnedest to come back. Whereas a team like the Cavs, I think might just mail it in and say, okay, we'll get the next one. Right. So, yeah. I know it's a long shot. I know it's a very, it's kind of a dark horse pick, but I didn't want that cookie cutter top three. I see, I feel like we see a lot of teams make a jump. Uh, I mean, the, the Bulls did it to number one. The Hawks did it. The Warriors did it last year. I mean, teams consistently jump from middle of the pack and kind of having those hardships in the playoffs. And they use that and roll it into the next season and typically improve. And I just see this Wizards team as up and coming. And I think they have a legitimate shot to be atop the Eastern Conference at the end of the regular season. Yeah, no, definitely. I think like... That's why I have the Wizards at my number four, I guess, because I'm like way too much in the like old school like state of mind with like coaching being so valuable to a team, and like for some reason, just knowing that Whitman isn't this like fantastic coach is the only reason I kind of put them low on my um, not really even low, but like in the top four, but bottom part of that, I guess. For me, I have the Cavaliers as my number one team, which I guess is kind of an easy pick. Um, similarly, though, I guess it's hard to praise them for coaching when realistically we saw LeBron take the uh, kind of take the reins of that throughout the season would start calling plays and do all that kind of stuff. But then again, it's like he was basically given control of that team when he went back to Cleveland. So, you know, I don't think it's of any like detriment to his character or anything, seeing them take over sometimes for uh, David Blatt. But it, it's interesting because you look at the early season calves, they're going to be really interesting. Kyrie Irving's going to be out. LeBron James is complaining about having some back pain right now. You know, he might sit out some games, might get some rest days and stuff. Kevin Love is back, which is great. Um, Mozgov is mentioning that he's concerned about his knee. He feels like he's not getting great lift off of it still. Regardless of all this, I think it's almost too hard for me to not think the Cavs can take the number one seed purely by just when you look at those, like, they're their big three in Kyrie, Love, James. Like, yeah, maybe early on it's going to be rough for them. They're going to lose, you know, some early games due to absences from players. But I think prior to the All-Star break, they're going to get a lot of their guys back. And when that happens, there's going to be a really scary team just to see, just with the amount of depth that they have, I think. I mean, Mozgov is obviously a huge addition last season. Verizhao should be healthy, but I imagine he's coming off the bench. Um, Tristan Thompson's obviously back, finally getting his contract stuff worked out. So for me, it's almost just too hard for me to bet against the Cavs getting number one seed. I wouldn't be shocked, though, if they fell to the three or four. Like, it wouldn't, like, I wouldn't be baffled if that were to happen. Like, it would make sense because if they drop some early games and all the other teams in the East stay hot, they're going to fall. Like, that's just what happens. But, I mean, just it's too hard We've we've seen it over the last you know couple of years. It's hard to bet against LeBron, and that's kind of why I have them my number one still. Yeah, I mean, I kind of gave my case for why I don't think they're going to be number one when I put yeah. them a little bit lower, and it, it just it all comes down to effort in the regular season, and in with a team that LeBron's on, I think pretty much you don't need a good coach. There's something to be said for the best player in the universe on the team with two, you know, other all world players, like you said, with Kyrie and Kevin Love. Right. Which is why I think we're probably going to see them in the finals again. I just, 
in the regular season, I think they have the mentality of it's, it's a two-month season, and that's the playoffs. We got to get there, and we're fine. So we'll see. I mean, that's obviously that's, – that's a good pick. It's definitely possible. I'm right. not – well, I'm no. I'm not even going to say I'm not confident in the Wizards team. I'm, I'm going to own my pick. You I have still to, think man. The, the Wizards are going to be the number one team. But talk to me again in a month, and uh, <laughs> we will see. We'll, we'll, we will see. Yeah. Um. So does that kind of wrap up the podcast? Do you think for today? I think so. I hope everyone was able to tolerate our first pod back, and uh, hopefully, you listen, you liked it, and you at least had some reaction and aren't just ambivalent. Yeah. No. Definitely. Um. Quick note before we end, obviously, Sunday, there is some pretty uh, sad news. And Flip Saunders passed away at the age of 60 from cancer. So I so wanted to you know, say that our thoughts and condolences are with the Saunders family and the Timberwolves organization right now. He's obviously a really influential coach. And it's like overall, it's a really cool guy. Like if you go online anywhere now, you'll see um, there's a ton of different like stories about how, how, like, how kind he was to the media and how he was just willing to goof around and how just the game of basketball while it was his job was also really, really fun to him, like talking to people about it and just like goofing around with his players. So yeah, huge bummer that he passed away, but obviously his imprints like left on that organization and with a lot of different people also. Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't have said it better myself. It's really nice to see how many people he was able to touch and influence and, we're kind of at the point where a lot of the players that he brought into the league have either just recently retired or are getting older. And Mm -hmm. they've really showed a lot of respect and reverence and been able to speak very eloquently on how, you know, he touched them and how he was a father figure. And again, our our thoughts are with the Timberwolves organization and the Flips family, because as Ricky Rubio said, you know, they're a family and they lost their dad yeah, it's got to be extremely hard and extremely painful for them. But again, our thoughts are with them. Yeah, definitely. So, um, if you want to start subscribing to the Midweek Exception, you can go onto iTunes, Pocket Cast, just type in Midweek Exception. It'll pop up on there. Otherwise, if you go to Free Cheese and Hot Sauce, the episodes are all going to be posted there as well. And in addition, we actually launched a new website called MultipleSources.net, where we're going to compile every single team, ideally every single team's. Uh, get a podcast for every single team and post it all to one website. So if you're feeling like, you know what, I don't know what's going on with the Spurs right now. You can go listen to a Spurs podcast. We're also posting the midweek exception there. So if you would like to, um, you can go on there and uh, listen to it there also. So keep your eyes out for the Western conference podcast, which should be coming out pretty soon. Also, 